You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. Hey, everybody out there in Icy Robots Radio Network land. It's me, it's me, it's Gino V coming to you with episode 19 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on that aforementioned Icy Robots Radio Network. Uh, I am sitting here on a lovely Sunday, well, I was going to say afternoon, but it's 11.58 a.m., so two minutes pre-noon, I suppose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Non-COVID. Um... Lovely Sunday afternoon here in October. Um, it feels like fall in my house because there's a Christmas crispness to the air. And um, there's a fan going, so it feels cool. But I think outside it's actually about 81 degrees. Um, but still, uh, I'm getting in a fall state of mind. And I love the fall. The fall's probably my... It's probably, uh, nah, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. We all know what that is. But uh, fall, winter is my thing. Um, I might feel differently if I lived in a climb that had actual uh, weather, like snow and such. But I've always lived in California. So um, I think of it as the time of year where it's just nice and cool and crisp. And I can, uh, it, it, it hones my senses. It's like the, the, a, a, a nice, pleasant chill that allows me to uh, function versus the uh, heat of spring and summer that has me feeling kind of sluggish. I'm a, I'm a creature that uh, thrives in crisp coolness. I was born in San Francisco. I think that might be why I'm like a fog creature. A marine layer monster, as it were. That is about the only thing I will claim about San Francisco, though, is my love for the for the little microclimate there. Other than that, probably the wackest uh, major American city that I've ever visited. I'm really not a fan of San Francisco. I, I find it to be... It, it, it's just weirdly kind of dead. I've had uh, many, many experiences there. Um, I only lived in San Francisco from the years of zero to five, and then I never lived there again. But I spent a great deal of time there in my early 20s because I had a lot of friends that lived there. Um, and I lived in Oakland, California, which is adjacent to San Francisco and was like a 15-minute BART, that's Bay Area Rapid Transit ride, from where I lived in Oakland. So I found myself in San Francisco quite often during that era. Um, but it's just, it's the kind of place where... It's supposedly this big, major city. I mean, it's a small city, but you know what I mean. It's like dense, high population density and a city everyone knows about. Um, but I remember I went to go uh, visit a friend of mine, uh, good old Matt Silver. Um, we were going to go watch uh, the Ghost in the Shell. Um, it was like the, I can't remember the name of that movie. It was like the second Ghost in the Shell feature film that was released Animated, anime, not the live action stuff. I've never seen those. But anyway, we were going to meet at this theater in San Francisco to watch that Ghost in the Shell uh, movie. And I got there a little bit early and I figured I'll just dip in somewhere and get a beer while I'm waiting. 
But there was nowhere to dip in because it's San Francisco and it's like everything closes at four. And the, the, the only people that are around are people that are like working out there in office buildings. And then, then everyone disappears once the workday is over. It's not there's no vibrancy to the city. And it's like especially nowadays um, because of uh, just the economy there and housing prices and everything. It's a city where everyone's either like a millionaire or they're living on the street. <laughs> there's, there's there's zero economic or lifestyle diversity, which makes it to be an extremely boring place, I guess, unless you want to be sleeping on the street or working 100 hours a week at some tech job. I don't know. There's just not a lot going on there culturally. Um, not my bag. No love for San Francisco. And that is uh, said as someone who is a city guy. Love Los Angeles. I love Chicago. I love New York City. Um, I love Seattle. Um, San Francisco, hit the bricks. You're whack. But moving right along, we are going to hit up a topic that I uh, mentioned last time, um, but we're going to get to today, and that is the topic of PSAs, public service announcement, television commercials from back in the day. Um, Oh, I just want to make one quick aside talking about television commercials from back in the day um, and fall uh, being the gateway to my favorite time of the year. I I totally got off track. I was going to mention... I feel like once October rolls around, you hit Halloween, and Halloween is when the holiday season kicks off. And who, what time of the year is better than the holiday season? You want the boring regular days where everything is just humdrum and normal, or you want those festive, that, that festive kind of three-month holiday uh, run that we get. Um, and so things just kick off with uh, uh, Halloween, and then there's no looking back. We roll right on into Thanksgiving, which I, I'm kind of on the fence with Thanksgiving, Um Thanksgiving is kind of a best of times, worst of times uh, scenario for me. Um, Worst of times being uh, when it ends up being a day where you are sort of trapped in a house with um, people, relatives maybe, that you don't necessarily want to be spending a day with, but you're all kind of stuck together and you can't really relax and you can't really enjoy the day, um, and you'd like to be watching maybe some of the football games that are on, but no one else at the get-together is into football, so the TV's off, and it's just really weird and unpleasant, and then the capper is you eat some really ill food. I'm not a Thanksgiving food guy, not really a turkey guy. Um, You know, my uh, food tastes are not exclusively, but uh, highly... um, uh, influenced by um, Asian food, Asian cuisines, and Thanksgiving is not really, typical Thanksgiving fare is not really in that wheelhouse. Not that I don't eat plenty of other stuff, but I don't know. Thanksgiving food is just kind of boring to me. Um, not my thing, particularly when it is paired with a boring get-together. Now, that being said, the best of times Thanksgiving is when you have this this kind of uh, golden brown burnt orange fall day, the whole day is just spread out ahead of you and you're with a group of people that you enjoy being in the company of and everyone is kind of lazily allowing themselves to be taken over by the rhythm of the day and you're kind of half-heartedly watching some football and those familiar sounds of the are just kind of washing over you and they need some food. It's not really your thing, but it's fine because you're you're with the people that you're having fun hanging out with, and maybe you're like kind of engaging in a minor fade, you know, throwing back some some alcoholic beverages. 
that's that's like an A plus Thanksgiving. But see, because of logistics, um, my Thanksgivings are kind of all over the map what they can possibly be on any given year. Last couple of years have been awesome because just me and the nuclear family um, have gone down to San Diego where we stay for like five days at a residence inn. So it's like a hotel where you have a kitchen in there. So we were like able to make our own food and stuff like that. Um, that's fun. So thank, uh, San Diego, another shout out. Awesome, awesome American city. I love San Diego. Ms. S and I sometimes uh, talk about possibly moving down there once the kids are done with school and out of the house. But anyway, and then uh, we roll on to, to Christmas and um, possibly Hanukkah or other holidays, depending on your particular persuasion. The, the specifics to me are not the thing. The spe- the, what it is is just that feeling of uh, festivity during the coldest, darkest parts of the year where uh, we bring the warmth from the inside to the outside. And we, we enjoy being in the company of loved ones, having kind of a slower pace, maybe some time off work, uh, uh, fun festive decorations are everywhere to be seen. And uh, I, I, love, I love the winter holiday season, the, uh, the Christmas holiday season. Uh, yeah, all, all uh, great times to be had in the month of December. And uh, well, we'll talk about that more as uh, the holiday season lurches on this year. And we'll see how it goes in the uh, shadow of the global pandemic. Um, yeah, one of the things I was going to say on this incredibly meandering way to uh, reminiscing about some terrifying PSAs is um, I don't have cable television anymore, um, so I don't see, you know, uh, aside from like some sporting events that I watch that still air, the kind of commercials you'd see on cable TV, I, I don't get exposed to a lot of cable television uh, or network television uh commercials anymore. But when I was a kid, you know, the TV is always on in the background, particularly you get home from school, uh, throw down a bowl of uh, Cheerios or something, turn the TV on, watch, uh, I don't know, mask, maybe cops, not cops like the bad boys, bad boys, but cops, the cartoon. Um, and inevitably at this time of year, you know, the days are starting to get, it's starting to get darker earlier and, and the school year is in full swing. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that you're getting inundated with advertisements for Tyco resets, Tyco race cars, Tyco racers. Um, and that to me was always this bracing like, yes, we're here. Because uh, I, as a child, I didn't necessarily make the connection that, oh, yeah, Tyco's ramping up the advertising because they want you to start bugging your parents to buy one of these race sets for uh, Christmas in a couple months. But uh, just subconsciously, I knew that, that Tyco was the... Uh, Harbinger of fall and the soon approaching holiday season. Okay, enough said on that uh, uh, topic out of nowhere. PSAs. Uh, so uh, a few stuck-at-home shows ago, uh, I See Robots played a sound clip of a rather stern, stark, and terrifying-sounding uh, Only You Can Prevent Forest Fires um, PSA television commercial from, I presume, the 1980s. Uh, and those of us who lived through that era and uh, of the 90s as well, and I don't know, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I have seen some in the modern day, and a little bit different now, but they do still exist. But anyway, anyone who was a child watching television, starting presumably around the 1980s, was exposed to public service announcements, television commercials uh, bankrolled by generally like public or nonprofit entities, trying to essentially scare you straight out of some kind of behavior that is perceived a threat to either personal health or public safety. 
So I did some very cursory Wikipedia research um, as I sat down to record this. And um, and Wikipedia is funny because it's one of those things where it's cliche um, almost to deride um, it as a source of credible information. Oftentimes when you're listening to someone being interviewed, the interviewer will say, you know, uh, well, on Wikipedia, it says about you, blah, blah, blah. And the interview subject's like, well, it's Wikipedia. You can't trust that. It happens all the time in uh, wrestler interviews, but those wrestlers are kind of full of it. So um, they never cop to anything um, that is factual about them being factual. But um, Wikipedia is one of those interesting things where it's like, and this may just be asking too much of people, but if you use just like the, the smallest amount of uh, critical discernment, you can kind of tell when uh, the information is credible or not, because it will be footnoted and you can look back to the source that it is coming from. And so this uh, PSA entry looks pretty legit. And as should be a surprise to no one, the um, modern institution of public service announcements arose out of World War II um, and existed in the form of those... uh, cliche sort of newsreel things that you'll see in period movies um, where uh, the government, quote unquote, is attempting to impart messages to the public. Um, I guess we would call that propaganda, something that takes on um, a negative uh, connotation pretty much across the board nowadays. But I don't know if it's really necessarily negative in every regard. Um, Again, you know, we do live in a world where people live in countries that are governed by institutions, and it's what makes it possible for millions of people to live together without all killing each other and taking each other's stuff until someone else comes and kills them and takes their stuff. And I don't really have a problem with that. Um, a problem with, with the governance stopping that from happening. Um, of course, the, the methods of getting there are up for debate. But I, I just think it makes sense that certain times... Um, in modern life, and it makes sense it would have started um, in the 40s when kind of we were entering the the phase of life that uh, persists to this day, um, that there would need to be a mechanism for getting messages out to the masses, hence the PSA. So by the time we get to the 1980s in the United States, obviously we find ourselves in Kind of a paranoid time of uh, the Cold War, the fear of nuclear annihilation around the corner, um, sort of a, a delusionally law and order right wing regime uh, in charge of the federal government. And so at this point, PSAs become something that we see um, as television commercials that I mentioned previously. And they tend to heavily revolve, um, some of them around the, um, as we now know, failed policies of the drug war of the 1980s. So a lot of commercials trying to scare kids from using drugs. And um, then also uh, a lot of PSAs around probably more uh, righteous uh, topics, such as uh, trying to tell kids to look out for child abuse and... uh, not setting forest fires, um, and so on and so forth. But the 1980 variant of the PSA, um, I guess in line with those sort of dark, paranoid times, um, took on a really sinister uh, tinge, if you may recall. And I recall that they were they, they caused a very strange psychology for me as a, as a young person. As I guess probably around 10, let's just say on average, 
Um, yeah, because I would have been 10 and 86. So a little before 10, a little after 10 is the, the height of my witnessing PSAs on television. Um, but it was always a strange thing for me because I would be in an extremely positive headspace as I sat down to watch after-school cartoons, which was uh, one of the highlights of my day, any given weekday. Um, sitting down to watch maybe Robotech, maybe uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, heck, maybe even She-Ra, um, and just being in this euphoric high state that um, I achieved whenever it came to cartoons as a young person. But as I'm feeling good, as I'm feeling great, um, as I'm ready to kick back and enjoy life, a commercial break would come, and then one of these PSAs would play, and I'd go from this safe space, as it were, of euphoria to this uh, hunted uh, space of, of terror, creeping, lurking fear. Because these commercials were always intended to kind of put you on edge and make you afraid of everything around you. Um, and so some of these included, um, you know, uh, as I said, commercials. Uh, there were some creepy ones about child abuse. Um, there were certainly creepy ones about not using drugs. Um, and then there were even the forest fire ones, which... I mean, on their surface, you know, helping to stop forest fires isn't necessarily creepy, but just the somber tone and the uh, the one that um, Icy Robots played on a recent episode of the Stuck at Home show where there's just this very grim, smoky bear admonishing you to stop forest fires. It always put just kind of a, a cold, uh, my hackles would go up and there'd be a cold sweat and just a, a feeling of being drugged into the abyss. So the, what's interesting, though, is I wondered um, as I was thinking about these PSAs, how scary they really were, how much of what I'm remembering is sort of addled by time, um, and how much was real. So I actually kind of did a little bit of digging online um, for uh, what were some of the most terrifying PSAs of the 80s and 90s, and see how they uh, jive with my memory. Um, and I'm far too unstructured and undisciplined on this show to do one of those... Uh, formalized, deep dive, top 10 uh, breakdown type things, which I guess makes us sort of a Trumpy uh, podcast. Um, but it is what it is, as our, our man uh, is wont to say. What did he, did he say that about, like, all the people that have died from COVID or something? But uh, God bless that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so but instead, we're just going to do broad brush here. So a few of the main commercials that I came across that I remember, and remember particularly addled me as a youth, was um, one in particular was a Say No to Drugs type PSA in which you saw this um, form of kind of a young woman. I don't think you could really see her face, but she's dancing and it appears that she's like doing kind of ballet dancing and it's playing, you know, the appropriate music. But then the music starts to get warped and distorted, and suddenly you see that she's like writhing around in a crack house, and she's a drug addict. And uh, I can't remember what the what the saying is in the background, but it's there's some creepy, you know, voiceover. And the reason I'm being so vague on details here is honestly, folks, this commercial scared me so much back in the day, and I did enough research to find out that it did actually exist. Um, but it scared me so much I can't go back and watch it. I, I just am not going to do it. Um, <laughs> going to leave that one. Um, where it belongs, in the annals of time. But I did find that, in fact, that commercial existed, um, and it was as 
terrifying, as I recall, at least in description. Um, another one that uh, I stumbled across that uh, got the memory banks going was uh, one of those Smokey the Bear ones that I remember freaked me the flip out when I was a kid. Um, and good Lord, it completely makes sense why. It was one of these somber Smokey the Bear type uh, ones, but actually it didn't start off with Smokey the Bear. It starts off with this woman. And I think it was the woman that was like the snake dancer and Blade Runner. Um, but uh, she's talking grimly about forest fires. But then the punchline is at the end of the commercial, she removes her skin to reveal herself as Smokey the Bear. Whew. Um, yeah, that's another one that I, I refuse to go back and actually watch. I just read a text description of that. Um, it's funny, my uh, youngest daughter, Miss Two, now 12 years old, when she was really small, she used to be um, terrified of Dr. Seuss's character, the Grinch, or as she called him, the Winch, uh, to the point where we had to take our hardcover copy of the Grinch, or the Winch as it were, and hide it on top of the refrigerator because she didn't want to see it in the house. But she once freaked out because she had a dream that uh, she was talking to me and I unzipped my face. And beneath, I was, in fact, the winch. Much like this Smokey the Bear commercial. Which I guess says that, um, I mean, I guess I'm like actually a monster inside. And she was seeing that. Um, seeing the real me. <laughs> in any case, the, the whole one uh, person removing their their face to reveal the true face is just this is one of like those archetypal horrors so I, I feel like that commercial may have gone overboard because forest fire prevention is kind of a serious topic and we're just scaring the heck out of people I don't know how effective that truly is but that was another one of those ones that just just sent me on a psychedelic psychological roller coaster while watching afternoon cartoons um, by way of Channel 44, Channel 36. Uh, what else showed cartoons? Those are kind of the main ones, I think, back in the day. Uh, maybe Channel 2 showed cartoons after school? I don't know. Uh, I see, Robots, you got to help me out with this one because I think you have a better memory of the, the, the network uh, and cable television channels back then. But yes, KICU 36 definitely showed cartoons. Was it KBHK 44? I, th I feel like those were my main two cartoon jams in the afternoon after school. But... Um, KOFY 20 showed live-action Batman, which I was into, but then it would devolve, for me, devolve into MASH and such, which I know I've been set straight that those were actually good shows, but as a child, I didn't get it. Anyway, um, moving right along with PSAs. Now, here's where it starts to get weird for me. Um, there was a commercial that I remember, and it started off with friendly Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. I think he was sitting on a bike. He's like, hey, guys, it's me, Ricky Schroeder. I want to talk to you about some things today. Uh, have any of these ever happened to you? And I found this commercial on YouTube, and I did watch it. It's, it's uh, um, what, what was it called? It was let me let me find it real quick here. Let me let me get the. Uh, sorry to do this. I rarely look things up uh, on mic, as it were. But we're gonna do this really quick. We're gonna do Ricky Schroeder PSA. Uh, no, it wasn't dope. Oh, it was uh, 1985's Tell Someone PSA. Now, oh, I didn't realize Rick Schroeder had kind of fallen off. Um, <coughs> Non-COVID. Uh, looks like, yeah, our guy was involved in some domestic violence in 2019. I had no idea. Uh, in my mind, he'd, he'd uh, ridden off into the sunset doing some serious adult roles in NYPD Blue. And wasn't he in that, that show Philly or Philadelphia? That was Philly. Was he in that show? 
Was that someone else? Maybe that, no, no, no. You know what? I'm thinking of Zach Morris, I think, was in that show from uh, Saved by the Bell. Anyway, whatever. Um, so this tells someone PSA, in my mind, he says he's going to show you these different scenes, and then it goes on this, like, kaleidoscopic uh, uh, trail of terror um, through various scenes of abuse. But the only version of this uh, commercial I can find online is 30 seconds long. And he does say, we're, I'm gonna have any of these things ever happened to you, but it only shows one thing. And I remember particularly what freaked me out is the first thing they show is this little dorky kid getting drugged into the bathroom by like a guy wearing kind of a Michael Jackson thriller jacket and this other teenager. And they are kind of threatening him for his lunch money. Now, that's not that scary. Um, and it was almost uh, depicted in kind of a comical way. And in my memory, that kind of eased you into then it showed these increasing levels of horror, including, um, and I, I would close my eyes every time this came on it. In my memory, there was a scene in which it was like a parent abusing a child and the parent had poured boiling water on the child and the child was crying. And the parent was like, if you weren't bad, I wouldn't have to burn you. Now I can find no evidence of this existing. It exists in my mind in stark raving terror. Um, but there's no evidence that it was actually part of this PSA. And it seems like that'd be something that'd be really bizarre and extreme, even for 80s PSAs to show. Now, what I did find is there's another child abuse PSA in which um, a very stressed out young mother is trying to juggle um, a bunch of different tasks. She's boiling water. She's taking phone calls. There's all this crazy stuff going on. She ends up burning herself with the boiling water, which this, the actual scene, because I watch this, looks much like what I remember from the from my mind's creation of the Rick Schroeder commercial. But um, she burns herself, gets very angry, and then her little baby is like screaming and crying, and she rushes out there like in a rage, but then it like pauses, and it's like, Take a deep breath. So it's basically like, you know, when you're really stressed out, don't take it out on your child. Take a deep breath. Don't venture into the depths of child abuse, which none of us should do. Please don't do. Um, but uh, my own little PSA for you. So I think what I'm doing is I saw that commercial and I somehow transposed it with Ricky Schroeder because maybe they're even shown back to back. But that one was nowhere near as terrifying as what I conjured up in my mind because nothing actually happened. Like the woman took the deep breath. She calmed down. She realized she was spiraling out of control. But everything was good in the hood. Um, but still, it was just, it, these, these, these commercials and these images were very unsettling and off-putting, and especially for me in conjunction with, um, as I said before, the euphoria of afternoon cartoon watching. Um, what's the point of all this? Not really much of one at all, just kind of a walk down memory lane, wondering if, uh, maybe any of you felt the same way being exposed to these images in your youth, or maybe you're a little younger than an old folk like me, and you saw some... Of the, I, I do remember there were some later ones. There were a lot of creepy smoking ones, um, I think, uh, like in the 90s, maybe even the early 2000s. Maybe even now. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really hip to what's going on in the world of television commercial PSAs now. I do remember I had this dream once when I was a kid, and I am pretty sure it was a dream. For years, I couldn't figure out if it actually was a PSA or if it was a dream. I'm 99% sure it was a dream. But in... In this dream, it was a very detailed PSA, and it was a PSA about um, not smoking. And basically, a guy had smoked a cigarette on an airplane, because this was back in the day when you could do such a thing, but didn't put it out correctly, and it caused the entire airplane to explode, crash into the airport, caused huge explosion at the airport, and uh, at the end of the PSA, you're seeing all the shrapnel flying in the air, and it kind of freezes, and you see this person's face like screaming in terror, and it was like, smoking smoking, smoking caused all this, which maybe I should have had a career in a PSA uh, uh, direction back in the day. Who knows? 
But, uh, you know, I, I did find one that I think planted the seed for that one in my mind. There was this bizarre PSA from the 80s of the, against um, arson. Because people are just going out, you know, just committing arson all the time. So you got you to gotta keep them on the straight and narrow. And it was like a kid throwing like a Molotov cocktail into a house and c- catching it on fire. And then he gets arrested and he's getting his mugshot taken. So maybe that's where the inspiration came from. Um, I will say, in closing here, that it is very easy to make fun of 80s PSAs and make fun of the ham-fisted ways in which public agencies are trying to sort of police and control behavior. And it is often done in an ineffective, ham-fisted way. Um, because I do remember as a child in the 80s who had no interest in using drugs and was afraid of everything, the PSAs kind of drove me to the brink where it was like, if, if all this stuff is this bad, I'm kind of screwed anyway. And so maybe it's okay to do this stuff. I don't know. Um, which doesn't seem to be a particularly helpful tact. Um, that said... The fact that PSAs are generally kind of a, a seen as something that are weird or comical uh, and, you know, overly prescriptive, not something we really need to hear about, um, it kind of speaks to a sad part of certainly American culture. I don't know, maybe probably other quote-unquote Western countries as well, um, where... You know, public education really is important. I don't mean public education like public school. I mean that too. But just, you know, being kind of uh, brought up to speed on, on issues of public health, public well-being. Why would, why would you want to live in an in a unhealthy society? Uh, and I don't even mean unhealthy like everyone's got to be a fitness freak. I just mean, you know, things functioning properly, people getting what they need. Um, and in order to do that outside of having some kind of... Uh, extremely oppressive police power that forces everyone to do everything. And I know there's a lot of whining and crying that that happens here with like, you know, mask mandates during a pandemic. That's not what I'm talking about. That's just, that's how you function in a uh, healthy society. Uh, I'm talking more, you know, kind of uh, proverbial Soviet style, unpersoning people, disappearing people off the streets for not uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, And no, that's not anything akin to what's happening anywhere in the democratic world at the moment. Um, But I do think it's kind of strange and kind of sad that our culture has become so against, um, oh, kind of uh, collective public involvement, civic involvement, civic duty, civic responsibility. You know, it's not always, government isn't always about that the man is trying to force you to do something. It is can just as much be about you doing for uh, the greater good, which, um, again, I don't understand why that's that's a controversial uh, thing. Um, I do realize that our lives oftentimes nowadays are structured in a way where we don't really have that civic component. I certainly didn't for many years until I started getting heavily involved in volunteering at my kid's school. And when I did start doing that and did spend a lot of time doing it, I started to realize how I'd spent zero time doing anything for anyone else, you know, outside of my immediate family or for my own personal uh, gain uh, up until then. Um, and how a lot of people just never really do have that opportunity. And I, that's not like a judgment call. It's like our lives are not really set up to have that. Uh, it was just through happenstance that I ended up falling into volunteerism. Um, and I don't know. It feels like maybe that would be something that would uh, kind of help 
uh, glue our public fabric together a bit more. If there was more more involvement, more pitching in, we were less just consumers all the time and more active uh, participants in public life. But you know what? We're going to talk about that more next time. Um, next time, this episode will be airing just days before our big 2020 election. And so I think next episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, big episode 20, is going to be the USA, USA episode of the podcast, where we talk about kind of uh, the state of our civic life here in this country. And if you're, for some reason, there's some listenership outside of this country, uh, hang tight, because I'll try to make it more universal too. But um, we talk about the uh, ups, the downs, the in-betweens of what it means to live in the United States in 2020, where things seem to be headed, where they could be headed, where they should be headed, where they shouldn't be headed. At least in my perspective, I mean, it's all, you know, but don't take my word for it. Um, but yeah, just just some uh, Gino Vegan thoughts on all things USA um, on the next episode of the podcast, which is funny because, and it, you know, years ago, if you told me that I would be talking about anything sort of current event or quote-unquote political on a pad- podcast I was doing, I'd tell you to uh, that's just not going to happen. But we're kind of past that point now. You can't really, there's no such thing as being not political. I don't know who even knows, but that word gets tossed around so much now. Um, it really just means about people substituted just for about kind of like living life in, in, in our culture. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're, we're way past the point of being able to sit on sidelines here. And um, just some important topics to talk about. Don't worry, it's not going to be some like hardcore, uh, you know, this party's this and this blah, blah, vote on this bill 209-360, Proposition 248. That's not what I'm talking about here. This is like existential stuff, Gino Vegan type stuff. So we're going to get into the guts of uh, what it is to be American on the next very patriotic episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. In the meantime, I'm going to call it here. We're about a half an hour in and no one needs to hear much more of the old Gino V than that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you want, follow me on Twitter, at Sensational Vega. I don't really use Twitter, but if you follow me, I'll follow you back. Maybe I'll start using it. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. Follow me on Facebook. I'm trying to avoid Facebook these days, but um, we can be friends. Hey, it's all good in the hood. Uh, go over to supportthereport.com, where for as little as a dollar a day, you can become a Patreon member of the IC Robots Radio Network uh, with access to all uh, the exclusive content that entails, and it will help us continue to do what we do here. And I know uh, ISR is in the market for a new computer to keep uh, the Stuck at Home show running. So toss him a buck. It'll make his day. Um, That said, I guess I'm out. Um, Talk to you soon. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega for the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, signing off. Set fire to your hair Poke a stick at a grizzly bear Eat medicine that's out of date Use your private parts as piranha bait Dumb ways to die So many dumb ways to die Dumb ways to Toast out with a fork Do your own electrical work Teach yourself how to fly Eat a two-week-old 
saturated pie. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Invite a psycho killer inside. Scratch a drug dealer's brand new ride. Take your helmet off in outer space. Use a clothes dryer as a hiding place. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Keep a rattlesnake as a pet. Sell both your kidneys on the internet. Eat a tube of super glue. I wonder what's this red button do? Be safe around trains, a message from Metro.